0: Everybody. welcome to the Limitless Odyssey podcast, your guide to the sacred for the curious. I'm Shane.
1: And I'm Sarah, and we're spouses on an exploration of spirituality.
0: Last week, we showed that the flower of life is a pattern that contains the beginnings of all life. What more can this pattern show us? This is part two of the flower of life. So yet again, in this episode, we're going to be talking about a lot of imagery and visual things, since we're still talking about the flower of life and sacred geometry. I would recommend you guys go over to the Limitless Odyssey site, LimitlessOdyssey.com, imagine that, (laughs) and uh, take a look at our Pinterest board that we've set up. We've got some of the images that we'll be talking about there, Uh, more than some, all the images we'll be talking about there, (laughs) and uh, yeah, take a look at that and follow along with us. Most of these things can be found with a simple Google image search, but we have a lot of really good explanatory images up there so that you can follow along. And there's uh, even an animated GIF of the Metatron's Cube, which is pretty cool. Ooh. Ooh, animated.
1: Mm-hmm. GIF. <laughs> mm.
0: <laughs> so, last episode. Let's do a little recap, shall we?
1: Yeah. If you haven't listened to the last episode, just go ahead and listen to it right now. Just, right. Like, we'll be here when you come back.
0: This is true. We'll be waiting. Waiting patiently. Mm-hmm. Yeah, still waiting. Still waiting. Okay, you back now? Okay, good. So, (laughs) last week, we talked about sacred geometry and how it goes back thousands of years, maybe even 10,000s of years, and it's a method of encoding information, and this is a foundational thing. And a lot of mystical thought is that there are layers of meaning, and uh, sacred geometry is a prime example where there's a lot of information layered into simple images. Mm Mm-hmm to kind of give an overview of the flower of life from last episode just so if you're stubborn and you didn't go back and listen to it or you're new to what we're talking about here or you just need a little refresher we started with the first six days of creation which is what the beginnings of the flower of life till we get up to the seed that's where that kind of encapsulates so the day one or i should say the initial step is god or the all using consciousness to create a sphere around itself. Then with day one, we have light, the creative birth. We get the Vesica Pisces with day two. We have the Trinity balanced motion with day four. We have the second cell division stability, the results of action being taken. Then we get to day five where we have the Pentagon pentagram, (laughs) the pentabarf. (laughs) If you guys didn't catch that, go back and listen to the previous episode. The golden mean, five being the number of man, how we fit kind of on a pentagram, we fit on five points. Then we have the six, which is the finishing of creation, which is the beginnings of life. So we have that seed of life. Something we didn't talk about last time is the idea of six around one, which is something that happens a lot in nature. If you take six spheres, uh, and the flower of life is both a two-dimensional object or shape as well as a three-dimensional object. So if you took one sphere, that being the initial consciousness sphere that God or spirit created, then you take six other spheres that covers up the entirety of the first sphere. There are no more spheres of the same size that could be placed around that sphere. So that's, that's like a mathematical impossibility that you can't fit more than six. Yeah. So now let's get into the next steps where we start with the number seven. Hey. Woo. <laughs> so the number seven or the heptad. I love that word. It's a good word. I know. I actually uh, wrote down all of the uh, AD versions of the numbers. So like the heptad, the monad, you know, like the octad, the eniad, whatever. Anyway, I love okay. those words.
1: <laughs> so AD meaning like...
0: Uh Oh, gotcha. So it's just kind of like a different way of saying the words, like making them an object. So the heptad meaning um. like the seven...
1: Okay, so it's objectifying. Now, right, or, okay. yes.
0: Yeah, exactly. It's like giving it a name and a personality. Yeah, So okay. you're, Yeah. So anyway, the number of seven being the number of perfection. It's a number of kind of finalization. Now, uh, we could say, I guess, that the first, if we count the first step in the flower of life, that after we get to that seven, so we've got the six around one being seven total, that that could be your first image of perfection. Mm-hmm. Um. But this is the seventh sphere that we're adding to the sixth. So anyway, seven being the number of perfection, there are seven chakras. Oh, something, I was doing some research about this and came across that the chakras are related to the endocrine system.
1: Yeah, I've heard a lot about that, that there is something to your hormones and chakras and all that stuff, which kind of makes
0: sense. Right. You know? Yeah, yeah, it was really cool. And the the pineal gland, the pituitary gland, all those things being linked to the chakras. I had I mean, I'd obviously heard that the pineal gland and the uh
1: the third eye. Right, That, that the third
0: eye, the chakra there, that being connected, but I didn't realize that it connected to a lot of other systems in the body.
1: Yeah.
0: Yeah. It does. The Bible deals with a lot of sevens and multiples of seven. So we've got the seven feasts that God declared to the children of Israel sevens relating to forgiveness where Jesus says you know Mm -hmm. you should forgive them 70 times seven Um, cleanliness you should have a mikvah which is the biblical ceremonial bath yeah baptism that's where we get the idea of baptism you know you get your baptism or your cleanly bath thing your ceremonial bath happened then you have to wait seven days and now you're clean like there's a mm-hmm. lot of sevens in relation to that
1: well of course seven is the day that god rested in the in the creation story right um which also gives us lens to seven days in a week right like we have we also have there's seven colors in the rainbow which that also relates to hmm. the chakra right in terms of red orange yellow green blue indigo violet
0: very interesting. Um, I had not thought about that.
1: Yeah. when We were watching Cosmos and they showed that the light and the prism and then the Run. lines in between and stuff. It was like really interesting to see. Like there's seven distinctly different colors.
0: Yeah. That is really cool.
1: We also have seven tones in a scale. You usually have eight notes because you have the octave where you have the, the bass note, one repeats itself an octave up right. but it's actually seven different tones that make up a western scale we also have the seven sisters the pleiades in the right. sky yes. uh, which is throughout mythologies and stuff you always have seven sisters and seven is like a important number
0: right yeah i love that seven sisters isn't there a me without you song called seven sisters oh there could be <laughs> <Sure>. <laughs> maybe i don't know but seven is a really cool number. It's just got a completeness about it. I mean, obviously, there's a lot of biblical connotations to the number seven. But I feel like there's a lot of astrological relations to the number seven. I don't know. It's just a really cool number. I enjoy the shapes, the heptagram. Mm-hmm. I love that shape with the seven points. Like, it has a motion to it.
1: So it's a seven-pointed star? Right. Okay.
0: Yes. <laughs> Sorry.
1: Yeah. I was like, what shape? Okay. I'm
0: sure. <laughs> yeah, so... When you say a heptagon, you mean like a polygonal shape with seven sides. When you say heptagram, you mean a shape with seven points, so a star with seven points. Gotcha. You know, it's like a pentagon and pentagram.
1: Now, don't you get the gone from the gram? Because don't, isn't it like it's, if you look at it on one side, it's a seven-pointed star, but then when you make it 3D, that's when it becomes the gone, right? Does that... It did I am I just making that up?
0: <laughs> I don't know actually. I I'm trying to visualize it. So we're talking about we have
1: kind of like a, how you have yeah. like a let's say you have a hex hexagon. Okay. Uh, a hexagram.
0: Okay. Okay. So we're and, talking like a Star of David type shape.
1: Yeah. Or no, just a he- hexagon, like the six.
0: Oh, okay, a hexagon. Gotcha. So yeah. like a settlers of catan tile.
1: Yes, and then like you make it three D. What is that shape then? That's because it's a kind of dice, isn't it? Like that has oh, a hexagon, right? That's a
0: polyhedra.
1: A put po- yes. <laughs> <laughs> so
0: yeah, the differences in those different shapes. So yeah, a gon like the the gon means like polygon. So you have like a two-dimensional image of those that that many sides. So you have a shape that has that many sides in two dimensions. A gram is like a star shape with that many points. Okay, and then a hedron so we have like a uh, you know for 10 sides it's a dodecahedron and a hedron means like three dimensional shape where they have you know this many sides per per face of the shape oh, okay yeah
1: that's thank you for clearing <laughs> that up <for laughs> yeah
0: me. so a hexahedron is a cube a hexahedra mm-hmm. so that's like a just like a die you know okay. like a, i'm going to roll some dice those are he- like hexahedrons a hexagon is a square a hexagram would be like a four-pointed star. Does that make sense?
1: I thought a hexagon, you said a square. I thought a hexagon was six-pointed, though, so it wouldn't be a square.
0: I'm sorry. I'm I, Yes. I don't know why I said that, but that's correct. <laughs> I can't count, apparently. I'm thinking four sides to a square and, you know, like the, you know what I'm talking about? Yeah. Yeah. Sorry. But you're correct. Yes. It's six sides.
1: Man, this is just confusing. I'm sorry.
0: Everyone out there, I'm very sorry for all the confusion that I have caused. I I ask for your forgiveness. Please don't stop listening.
1: Don't forgive him. He's already (laughs) used up his 77 times. Oh, snap.
0: Oh, snap. I just got dissed by my wife. (laughs) She feels guilty now. (laughs) She's turning red.
1: Let's move on.
0: (laughs) So, seven. Yes, that's all we have to say about seven. That's all we have to say about seven. Let's move on to number eight. Number eight. So the octad. The octad. The number eight is the number of new beginnings. So we have seven completing a cycle. So we've got our seven days in a week. The eighth day would be the first day of the next week, or the next octave, we'll Mm -hmm. say, of weeks. So we have the musical connotation of the eight being the next octave. Mm -hmm. But then we have also the idea of spiritual evolution Kind of the next steps, so the seven steps creates, you know, one full cycle, and then eight starts the next cycle. Yeah. Yeah.
1: Yeah, it's definitely known in the Hebraic sense of eight is a new beginning. It's a fresh start. It's kind of like creation has been created. We have rested, and now let's get on to the work at hand. You know, right. like this idea, like I am rested, I am complete, I am ready. Let's get going. Right. Something that is. So interesting to me in learning chemistry or biology or anything where you learn about atoms, the outermost shell of the electron shell that's in atoms always strives to have eight electrons in it. Mm. So if you are a atom or an element and you have six, you are going to be actively searching. If you have six in your outer shell, you're going to be actively searching for Another element that has two in their outer shell,
0: mm. and so
1: you're going to be striving to get eight, and that's how elements combine. It's it's almost like this electric magnetism towards other elements. Right, you complete me. I have to like I'm searching for you. I, I have to have you. We have right. to we have to bond to get eight in these outermost shells. And it's just interesting that like eight, eight's the number. It's not seven. Right. It's not nine. It's eight.
0: Yeah. Yeah, that's kind of a cool idea.
1: You also have like eight in terms of spiders and octopi. I'll have...
0: This is true. Eight legs. Well, or... it's in their name. They wouldn't be octopi if they didn't have eight, would they? No, they would not. <laughs> They'd just be squid. Uh, what if we called spiders octopi because they have eight?
1: That'd be just confusing. <laughs> like, I was bitten by an octopi the other day. What do you mean? <laughs> This well, land octopi that well, comes out in my universe, people.
0: uh, octopi do not exist in the sea sense of the word, like they don't, they're, they're not a sea creature, it's just they only spiders or octopi in my world.
1: Well, you are a world of one, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> so, I am my own island, you I am my own o- nation. Relate only to yourself.
0: <laughs> well, that rings very true about my life. <laughs> <laughs>
1: I relate to you. I know, but. I come visit your world sometimes. You know, I'm just. <laughs> <laughs>
0: uh, anyway, anyway, moving on. Uh, new beginning. Let's get. Yeah, anyway. So, the number nine, yeah. the Ennead. Uh, it's the first odd square number, meaning that you can lay out those, those numbers, you know, one through nine, in a square. Mm
1: hmm. Yep, and I put down Sudoku, because that's what I do. <laughs> and, like, you have a square of numbers, and you have, you know, one through nine in the square, and you add them all up and everything.
0: Interesting. I
1: also put down nine patch, because I'm a quilter, and, like, ah. the nine patch is, like, a really, like, old way of, like, laying out patchwork.
0: Right. Well, I mean, I guess it's it's pretty, it's, it's one of the basics, right? Yeah, it is one of the basics. Yeah.
1: Like, basic quilting thing is a nine patch.
0: Yeah. Well, and so... That's basically, what, you just cut out nine squares and then stitch them together to create one yeah, full you, block?
1: Yeah, you, you do nine squares and you, you know, a three by three layout and right. um, you get a block. No way. Yep, you a do. A block
0: comes out of that? Yep. So you're saying you're a block factory.
1: Yep, basically.
0: <laughs> so the, uh, the number 10, the decad, I love that word. And I love the word dodecahedron too. Yeah, that's a... Dodeca. I love that.
1: That's an awesome word. You can, like, really impress some people with that word. Right?
0: So, 10, obviously, there's the fingers and toes. hmm You know? Unless we're going to be, like we said last time, the school ground bully. Like, yeah. no, you only, got, you only <laughs> now, got two thumbs. They're not fingers.
1: We're not going to be school ground bullies. We're <laughs> nice people. But well, I think it's interesting that, like, we have a base 10, at least in, in our culture that we live in here in America like to we, a certain extent we have a base unless we're ten. talking
0: about meter or, or uh, excuse me yards and feet and inches and yeah okay well <laughs> let's talk about
1: that but just in our counting we have a base right. 10 um, whereas was it the babylonians that had a base of 60 i think it? so yeah and that's where we get our time from
0: right yeah i believe it was the babylonians Phoenicians, and uh, what's the sumerians that's them mm-hmm. yeah with the number 10, going to the mystical meanings, we have the, the Tree of Life or the Sephiroth. The Sephiroth, for you guys who play Final Fantasy, I bet you didn't know that Sephiroth was a, a Kabbalistic term. Kabbalah, meaning uh, the mystical uh, mystical Judaism is where Kabbalah started. There are several branches of Kabbalah, uh, one of them being kind of uh, propagated by Lester Crowley. Um, that is less related to the mystical Judaism side of things. It still pulls from a lot of that stuff, but number 10 are the numbers of points on the tree of life. And the tree of life shows how the world was created from the Jewish mysticism point of view. And it's a really cool shape. It actually overlays over the top of the flower of life. Uh, Kind of the 10 center points of the flower of life make the, the tree of life. So everywhere that the uh, flowers have an intersection, or where they come to all the points meet of the petals is a point on the the tree of life and we 'll have an image of that in our uh, in our uh, pinterest board,
1: yep, and to me it almost kind of looks like a church or something like um the layout of it like it, gotcha
0: so you 're like looking a, at like a
1: uh like a medieval type like right? church i don 't know but like you 're talking like a, like a blue
0: a blueprint like you 're looking from the yeah. sky down at yeah yeah gotcha
1: i don 't know why I have that mental image, but i 'm like,
0: well, I could see that though. I mean, it definitely has a very uh, construction-y feel, almost like a, bu- a blueprint. Yeah. Um. You know, with the Kabbalistic view, more more or less with the uh, Crowleyan view of the Kabbalah, it's the levels of enlightenment. Mm-hmm. And there are, like, angels or beings that kind of have reign over these different levels of enlightenment, and you're climbing this ladder of sorts to to get to the top where you are, in, like, the most enlightened.
1: You know, I sort of wondered... How do you, how do you rate yourself on that scale? Like, do you say, I know for sure I took a test and I'm on this level right here. (laughs) Like how, or is there some spiritual leader that says, yep, I think you're on this level. Right. Keep paying me money and you'll get to this. (laughs) Like, (laughs) like, where does that, like, how do you, how do you judge yourself on that?
0: Right. Well, I mean, there are certain criterion that someone has to meet, um, but it is usually a leader of some sort. Um, It's usually not as corrupt as give me more money and I'll tell you where you're at. But there are I mean, there are organizations that behave that way. Mm -hmm. You know, there are some that say you have the dues that you have to pay every year, you know, and you're going to be paying a lot of money. But there are some orders that refuse to accept money because they want to get away from that stigma 100 percent. And so they say they assign someone. Everything is volunteer. Everything is from people who actually want to make things happen. So in the AA, the Crowleyan started order, Mm -hmm. you are assigned like you kind of contact the main group of people. It's a loosely knit group of people, but they have folks that are kind of like a leader and they assign a leader to you. And then you're given this person who's kind of like your Jedi mentor of some sort, you know, gotcha. or, anyway. So the number 10 though, according to Plato contains all numbers. And we know this to be true. I mean, obviously uh, if we're to look at, you know, decimal scales and, uh, so I recently got a slide rule <laughs> <laughs> and it's basically that whole idea where, uh, you're sliding this, this scale back and forth, and it's just kind of one through nine, you know, all the way up to 10, basically. And then you're doing this multiplication and squaring and all these different things on the slide rule. Uh, if you haven't seen a slide rule, I would go look it up. Hey, maybe we'll put something in the, uh, in the
1: Pinterest board. The
0: Pinterest board.
1: <laughs> I wonder if they have pictures of slide rules up. That seems like. Well, you can just
0: add it to the Pinterest board.
1: It seems like a pretty old school thing, though.
0: It is an old school thing. Yeah, I mean, they're not around anymore. Like, you have to go to eBay and stuff to find them. Interesting. Yeah. So the number 11, uh, it has relation to the pyramid. There's the idea of squaring the circle. Um, squaring the circle is really interesting. So if you put a, a square around the planet Earth, then you put a circle around that square. You brought the moon down so it was touching Earth. That circle that goes around the outside of the square actually divides in half the moon. And so we have this idea where you can take the square, then put a circle around it and you get the radius of what the basically the planetary body surrounding it should be.
1: So you get the radius of the moon? Yes. That about? Yes. Okay. Interesting.
0: Sorry. Yeah, when I said planetary body that wasn't very explicit. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. So uh, then, Oh, the double, a uh, double rainbow. I had to mention this cause I'm an internet nerd. And so mm-hmm. double rainbow being, you know, the an internet mean everybody knows, but uh, the idea that the double rainbow actually fits both rainbows fit in the circles. So if you have the inner circle of whatever, like, let's say the earth would be, you have that being, you know, that double or that first rainbow being half of that, the outer rainbow fits in the other circle. That's... I don't
1: really know what you mean by that. Like
0: <laughs> Sorry. Uh, maybe I'll put a picture in the uh, Pinterest board.
1: Yeah, put a picture. I don't I yeah. can't visualize what you're even talking about.
0: <laughs> uh so the number 12.
1: Yep. Good cuz I had nothing for 11.
0: <laughs> Did you not?
1: I just, I was like I can't really think of anything about 11.
0: <laughs> They're two ones. <laughs> nice. <laughs> Those two ones, I tell you what. Yeah. they some interesting they things.
1: They sure are a number between two other numbers.
0: <laughs> uh, it's the number 12.
1: Yes. I have a chromatic or a 12-tone scale. Like, there are 12. Ah,
0: I like your musical stuff.
1: Yeah, because that's, that's all I know. <laughs> that's what I know. <laughs> that's all I know. Um, but th- there are 12 tones in terms of, like, music, just in general. Like, there's just 12 Uh, which is the chromatic scale. The chromatic scale is every single note going up. And there's 12-tone music where, like, you take every note and you assign, like, a number to it, and you just kind of randomly, like, go through the sequence of numbers. And this is really, like, 20th century weird artsy music that um, people don't really like listening to. Some people like listening to it. I don't really like listening to it uh, because (laughs) it just doesn't really make that much sense to our ears because it has just doesn't have a good tonal like center to it.
0: Does not compute. Does not compute.
1: <laughs> but it's really it's really like a math based way of composing, of assigning numbers to to each um, note, and then saying like, okay, well I'm gonna do nine, three, eight, seven, twelve, eleven. Like you just kind of pick numbers Brian. and just compose and and follow that sequence. Um, there are also twelve months in a year. Nuh uh. Yes there are. <laughs> and uh there's twelve tribes of Israel. This is true. And we also follow like a set of twelve hours in terms of mm. every day has two sets of twelve hours. And that's, that's true. how we say there's A M and P M. Like this is the first set of twelve hours, this is the second set of twelve hours. Right. Unless you're military and then it's not that.
0: <laughs> and then it's not so much. It's not that. <laughs> but we also have the idea of the 12 signs of the Zodiac. Yeah. Going to an astrological view. Then we have the uh, Messiah to the disciples. And this happens in religions all over the world. We have a Messiah-like figure that has 12 people surrounding him. Hmm. And so the, this Messiah-like figure being a son. No pun intended. No, there is a pun intended of God. Uh Uh-huh. You know? S-U-N. Right, exactly. And so we have the idea that the 12 around 1 is the next step. So we have the 6 around 1, then we have the 12 around 1. And that 12 around 1, meaning the sun with the zodiac surrounding it.
1: Interesting.
0: Yeah. And so we have these, you know, this mystical number where we get these, you know, these stars in the sky that create... Uh, a story for us. Uh, And that's something that we may need to talk about in another episode is the idea that the Zodiac creates a story that going from the start to finish, there is a story that follows through the trail of each of those symbols. And each symbol or each uh, image in the sky kind of is the next scene in the story or somehow moves the story along.
1: So this is maybe a random, just like shower thought or something. Um, (laughs) If, if there is this idea of just, let's just say Jesus, because that's our, our most recent right. Messiah figure that most people follow. Right. And he has the 12 apostles that represent like the sun and the zodiac signs, right. like you're saying. Right. Do each of the apostles represent a different sign? I wonder if you could go through and could find their birth dates. Absolutely. And say these people were born. Oh. like Like either say these people were born during these times and they are literally that's their sign or if it's just their
0: characteristics. Well, I don't know if
1: we have enough, enough data to that. but could that be a thing or am I just
0: making this? Well, it could be a thing, but I think you're thinking from a more historical standpoint that there were actually 12 people and there actually was a Jesus in mystical Christianity. Neither of those are, none of those things are real. So there were no actual 12 disciples. There was no actual Jesus. It's just that we have this Christ-like figure that we're supposed to emulate because this is a perfect person and we want to be more perfect. So the disciples would be uh, related to the 12 signs of the Zodiac because they're just, you know, logical ideas, you know, these images that Mm -hmm. we're using, embodiments of ideas and embodiments of these type of people. So you have the Christ figure that you're trying to emulate, whereas the 12 signs of the Zodiac are kind of uh, different personalities that we can fit in or archetypes that we can fit into and say, how does this person relate to me? And how can I follow their steps to become more Christ like
1: Interesting. Yeah. I also wonder too, can you also take that to the 12 tri- tribes of Israel? Could those be? Yeah, absolutely. Because like, in a way that's sort of the same thing. If you think not necessarily Messiah, but like they all followed one monotheistic God. Right. And so there's 12 around one. And also the idea of like the 12 gates to the temple
0: absolutely yeah there's yeah there's a lot of layers there and now see if we want to get to this messiah like idea so the son of god not being god but being related to god (laughs) so Mm -hmm. moses being the son you know like Mm -hmm. what does it say like that someone will come who is like moses who will be the messiah figure Mm-hmm. So, Moses, being the Messiah figure in the Old Testament, is relating to God for men, so he is the person that all the twelve tribes are trying to emulate and now the twelve tribes they have their own personalities you mm-hmm. know and their different kind of roles in life, and the symbols that the tribes were assigned in the Bible uh relate to different archetypes in and of themselves as well, so we have this kind of macrocosm and microcosm in The Old Testament and New Testament where we got Old Testament is like we have giant groups of people that are following, you know, in their segments. So we have Mm -hmm. each tribe with, I don't know, a million people, right, their camp uh, following one person who is the Messiah figure who relates to God. Whereas in the New Testament, we have the 12 people who are a microcosm version where you get to see on a personal scale how they relate to the Messiah figure who then relates to God.
1: We need to do a podcast on On this, yeah, you think so? I think there's enough stuff to delve into.
0: No, well, you're probably right. I mean, obviously, we've spent several minutes just talking about
1: this. (laughs) Also, just because we, I think we both find it really interesting. It's
0: true, and it's and stuff that we're both familiar with. uh, I mean, because we grew up in a Christian household, and so there's a lot of imagery that we just understand off off the bat. Yeah.
1: Um. And so, you know, we got through twelve. I was gonna sort of point out that in the English language that we two speak, um.
0: We speak language? We
1: speak language. <laughs> um, once you pass 12, you there's like a linguistic break. There's 12, and then it's 13. The idea, like, your teens, the teen ah, years right. start at 13. We end at 12 in terms of the idea of the sacred geometry stuff, and then we linguistically move into something else. Right. The two digits, you know, 11 could have been one teen, and 12 could right. have been, I don't know, two-teen or something like, All but right. we we don't say that. Yes, you know? we don't
0: say teen up until 13. Th- 13, it's like, right.
1: a, it's a, it is a linguistic break. This is different from what came before.
0: Right, yeah, you're absolutely right. That's a good point.
1: And also 13 is like coming of age year right. in so many different cultures.
0: Mm. That's a good idea, yeah, that's a very good point, where we have this, you know, up until that point, you're considered a child, and then you have this magical transformation into some other newborn entity of, you know, manhood, womanhood, adulthood, whatever you want to call it.
1: Yeah. Like sort of this idea of like, that's kind of when puberty happens. Right. You're reaching a different state, developmental stage in your life.
0: That's a very good point. Well, I'm full of really
1: good points. (laughs) No, I'm not. I'm I'm not full of good points. You're not full of good points? (laughs) That was just one. Oh. That just happened to happen.
0: (laughs) It's happened to happen. So now that we've got to 12... Around the one Our flower now is complete We've got this flower image That has been created That is I really just enjoy Looking at the flower of life It's pretty. It, it is purdy. Uh Oh something that I did uh, I had this trippy moment Where I was uh, Doing some research online I was looking at the flower of life And I scrolled and it, the way the pattern is made is because it is repeating. When you scroll on your, on your screen, it looks like you're just looking at a circular window into this pattern. And so it just keeps going on for infinity. And i was just mm-hmm. like, whoa. Mm-hmm. And I just sat there scrolling for like way too long and being way too interested at my, <laughs> this simple little thing. Mm-hmm. Um, but now that we have the flower being complete, we can then get the tree of life. Like I was saying, we have those 10 center points in the flower that creates the tree of life, then if we take the main circle and the six circles that surround that, and then the ones circles on the outer edge that connect to those uh, center pieces. So we basically have a center uh, circle with basically six points, almost like legs made out of circles going, going outward from the center circle that creates the fruit of life. So we have this kind of snowflake-like pattern made out of uh, circles that creates the fruit of life. And so you say, well, oh, what's the big deal about the fruit of life? Well, then from that shape, you get Metatron's Cube. Metatron's Cube, I absolutely freaking love this shape. And, you know, it, since it's related to the Flower of Life, I can just sit there and stare at it anyway. Why, what is it about shapes that we find interesting and just want to look at? You know, like, is it something subconsciously, like, we're like, hmm, that's mathematically pleasing, you know, or like... I
1: don't know. It could be just the symmetrical nature of things. Mm, like, we, that's, yeah. we like symmetry and we, like, strive for symmetry. Right. So even though there's a lot of life that is asymmetrical... Right, that's true. You know, but we yeah. still... It's like something we strive for. It's kind of like, you know, like the Fibonacci sequence. If you look into a sunflower, it's just mesmerizing to look at just the middle of a sunflower and to look at the petals. It's just like I could sit and stare at this for ages.
0: Right. Yeah. This This is true. There is something just attractive in general about those things. But so to make Metatron's Cube, so you take this fruit of life shape. We have the snowflake of circles. Then we take lines and draw lines from each center of the circle to each other. So we've got, you know, these edges create almost like a hexagon on the outside. Then we've got uh, this kind of star of David shape that takes place. But then there's an inner star of David that happens. Um, and there are lines connecting all over the place. And you have this really, really cool looking shape. And you think, what is, who is Metatron? What is, why is it his cube? And what does that even mean? Metatron is going back to kind of a mystical Judaism idea. He is an angel that is second to God in mystical Judaism. So we have this kind of Kabbalah, Flower of Life, Metatron, all kind of coming back together again, Mm -hmm. where Metatron being second to God is God's scribe. Gotcha. And so the scribe nature of him uh, makes him sound very much like some other characters we talked about recently.
1: Maybe Hermes Trismegistus.
0: Hey, nice.
1: I have a... Also, if you go to the Pinterest board, I uh, pin some pictures of Hermes Trismegistus. Right. It's not actually like... Yeah, they're not photos. They're not photos. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Thanks. (laughs) Thanks for pointing that out for people. Not photos of him, but artistic depictions (laughs) of him.
0: Yes. They're kind of like classical interpretations of what Hermes looked like or was supposed to look like, whatever, you know.
1: They just look cool. Yeah, they do.
0: I agree. (laughs) But uh, so Metatron, though, if we keep going back into the origins of Metatron, he is Enoch. And Enoch, in some apocryphal texts of the Bible, there is the book of Enoch, which talks about the Watchers coming down from from heaven. They are the fallen angels, the Nephilim, of Genesis six, where it says that the sons of God came down from heaven, found the daughters of men attractive, and had children with them. Mm-hmm. And so, and those children gave birth to giants, which are like part God, part angel kind of uh, beings. Enoch, though, in the Bible, it talks about early in Genesis saying that uh, Enoch was kind of separate from humanity in some way because it says that god took him up and he never died once god took him into heaven he like upgraded him to angel status in some Mm -hmm. way and he became like god's scribe and so this shape because it contains so much awesomeness is like his cube it contains all of this knowledge and it's related to the flower of life but i think that enoch metatron hermes thoth are all the same person in a grand cosmological scale.
1: And even Mercury. he's uh, Right.
0: Yes. Mercury as well. Yeah. The scribes of the gods. I mm-hmm. think that they that the idea may relate to one one entity of sorts, you mm-hmm. know, like everybody's got their own cultural interpretation of this person. But they're all the same person.
1: Yeah, that makes sense. You know, if he shows up in so many different places.
0: Right. Metatron's cube, though, so we take these circles, we draw lines between them, we get this shape. What's really cool about this shape, though, is that we can get all of the platonic solids from this shape. So we get the five platonic solids by highlighting different areas on this this Metatron's cube shape. We get the isometric views of the platonic solids. What are the platonic solids? <laughs> well, let me tell you, Sarah. Okay. So, <laughs> so uh, we have these shapes. The platonic solids are three-dimensional objects. They're polyhedra that all of their shapes, uh, or I should say the sides uh, on these faces of these three-dimensional objects are all equidistant from each other. So they all have the same length. So a cube, meaning that each line to one of its square faces being the same length. Okay. And so if we continue that out, so we take a square and then we say, well, I have to have, I want to put another square where it can, can connect, you know, to a third square and that third square will connect to a fourth and that fourth will connect to a fifth and that fifth will connect to a sixth. And so that's the only possible configuration taking that base shape, that base, uh, you know, four sided shape and then making a three dimensional object out of it. So there are only five possible variations on this. Like, they are the only five shapes that can exist that have these, you know, equidistant lines, and the faces are equidistant from each other.
1: So it's like following these rules, right. this is what you get.
0: This is what you get. Yeah, exactly. Gotcha. There are there are lots and lots of other polyhedra, but there are only only five who follow these particular rules that are able to be created. Gotcha. Yeah, so... We get these five platonic solids from Metatron's cube, uh, and we credit these to Plato, you know, like they are the platonic solids. Yeah, I
1: was say, is that why they're called the platonic solids? Right,
0: exactly. But we have evidence that this knowledge is at least 4,000 years old.
1: Mm-hmm. Well, Plato, he's really like the first philosopher who wrote things down. Right. And that's why there's so much credited to him. Right. Um, the only reason we know about Socrates, which is the Socratic method, and uh, right. just there's a whole move of, you have pre-Socratic philosophers, right. which means they were before Socrates. He's like a big point. The only reason we know about him at all is because of Plato, is because he was Socrates' student, and he wrote about him. Interesting. And so, you know, Socrates and all these other philosophers gained knowledge from all across the world, and Plato just learned it, and he wrote it down.
0: Very cool. That is really cool. And I think that's a powerful idea in and of itself, that writing something down can have that profound of an effect on a world that consisted of oral tradition Mm -hmm. and people's memory up until that point. Yeah, totally. That there were these ideas that are incredibly valuable. And, you know, it's funny because we assume that because things weren't written down or we don't have evidence of it that it didn't exist – it
1: existed, right?
0: We just don't, we just don't well, right? Exactly. So we, don't we have, a have record these, of it, right? And I think you know, during the astrological ages of the Earth, we have this this idea that each age has its own kind of knowledge that comes with it in, inherently. And I think that as these ages have progressed, that there has been different types of science that has come out of of these different ages. And so just because our current version of what science, what we think science is, is not what was written, you know, what, whatever writings we can see from 6,000 years ago or something mm-hmm. is not the same as ours. Does it mean it's any less valid?
1: Yeah, totally.
0: Yeah. Now, so the evidence though, for the platonic solids I- from 4,000 years ago are from these stone carved sets that they have found in Scotland. That are at least 4,000 years old. And I think that's so cool. And they're actually, they're an interesting looking shape. We'll have to find some images and put that in the uh, Pinterest board. But they kind of look like, did you ever have those little bouncy balls? I think they're called like atom balls where they look kind of like like a bunch of little tiny spheres stacked on top of each other. And you throw them down and they like bounce all crazy because you don't know where they're going to hit. Oh,
1: because they have a bunch of different spherical surfaces, basically. Yeah. Yeah.
0: Well, they look like that, but they're made out of stone. And so if you take... uh, There are places where string should be inserted from each of those points that creates the wireframe of the platonic solids around those stones.
1: Huh. That's interesting.
0: Yeah. It was a brilliant way of doing that as...
1: You'd have to be an amazing carver to...
0: It was really cool. I mean, they're really basic looking shapes, Mm -hmm. but they're really well done. Cool. Yeah. It's really cool. But so they're at least 4,000 years old, but we credit them to Plato. Uh, Each of these solids... Are able to be contained by a fear, a sphere, a fear. <laughs> I'm afraid of these guys.
1: Be afraid, be very afraid. <laughs> the Platonic solids they're coming for you. Exactly. Ooh, ah.
0: <laughs> no, sphere, don't kill me. But uh, so you can contain each of these shapes in a sphere. And each point or vertex on the shapes touches the sphere perfectly. Oh. So if you take a sphere and put a cube inside of it, each point, like each of the four points of the cube, just kind of rest inside the sphere. Cool. And then if you take a sphere and put it inside each of these shapes, each of the faces touches the sphere perfectly.
1: Okay. So the straight lines will touch the inner
0: sphere. Right. Yeah. So the faces. So the square, if we're going to talk about a cube, we put a sphere inside a cube. Each of these squares on each, you know, so those are the faces of a three-dimensional image, touch the sphere perfectly. Okay. So the sphere on the outside touches the points where the, the you know, the, the cube comes together. And the sphere on the inside touches the flat areas. Gotcha. Yeah. So outside cube pointy, inside cube flat. Okay. Or inside sphere. Yeah. So each of these shapes, obviously they have a name. That ends in hedron because they're talking about three-dimensional image. Uh, The first that we can can get out of this is a tetrahedron or a star tetrahedron. Uh, A tetrahedron uh, is, for you gamers out there, looks like a four-sided die. It's like a little pyramid, basically like a three-sided pyramid. Okay. Yeah. And so uh, the star tetrahedron is you take two of those upside down against each other. And you get this shape that kind of looks like a three-dimensional hexagram or Star of David. It's a really cool shape. I really enjoy it because I, I, I just love triangles in general. Mm-hmm. I, I don't know why, but those shapes kind of resonate with me in some way. And so if you take basically the Star of David and you made a three-dimensional with the tetrahedrons, you get this shape. Now, uh, Drunvala Mechizedek calls that the Merkaba. And the word Merkaba comes from Metatron, actually.
1: Interesting. Yeah. So tell me more about the shape again, because I'm having a hard time visually visualizing well, it. Is it.
0: If you take a pyramid, not like the Pyramid Giza Pyramid, because those are four-sided pyramids. So three-sided. Three-sided pyramids. Pyramid. So we've got, like, if you make a triangle with mm-hmm. your fingers, mm-hmm. you kind of extend what would be a fourth point up above your fingers. Mm-hmm. So you have this kind of like three triangles kind of come together to make this, you know, this point. Um, And if you stick two of those inside of each other so that each of their points would be sticking out of the other... Okay, so you're kind of like blending them together so that you have like the points kind of coming out of each of the sides of the tetrahedron, so
1: it's almost like you have a star of David, but you're th- making it three dimensional right.
0: yeah, if you spun a star of David, you'd get this shape basically, okay, you know if you spun it like by its top and bottom points and you just kind of you know spin it around in a circle, you basically would get this shape, of course you'd get a a blended version of this shape, but you'd basically get the shape, okay, gotcha, yeah, so each of these shapes was assigned an element though by plato and i i thought this was worthy of mentioning uh, there's a lot of knowledge in here that was used by alchemists and hermeticists after plato had kind of written this stuff down mm-hmm. uh, the tetrahedron plato assigned the element fire to it because he said that the shape was so penetrating and the acuteness of its edges resembled fire
1: so it's it's pointy
0: Right, exactly. Because it's so pointy and it's so sharp, it has the kind of energies of fire in it. Gotcha. I thought that was kind of a cool idea. Uh-huh. So the next shape, or the hexahedron, or the cube, was assigned the element Earth. And he said that the shape was so stable because of its square bases, it res- resembles the energies of Earth.
1: So the hexahedron is basically like a, a normal six-sided dice, basically.
0: Right? right, exactly. Yeah, D6, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, so that, that shape, just a cube, little kid's toy blocks or whatever, yeah. you know, like a cube.
1: It is very stable.
0: Yeah. I mean, obviously, you set one down, you can push it, and it's not going to, you know, it'll slide maybe, mm-hmm. but it's not going to tip. top yeah. And then, so the, the next one, the octahedron, which is the eight-sided uh, shapes... That are created, you know, to be a three-dimensional object. Uh, Plato said that this shape was the intermediary between fire and water, thus air. So it's the thing between the two, you know, water it's, being the opposite of fire.
1: It's the smoke you get when you put water
0: on fire. Thus air, yeah. Uh, so we have that idea uh, with the hexahedron. And what does the hexahedron look like? Uh, we'll have to put an image up. I mean, it's... Uh, it looks like you take a bunch of hexagrams, so you take a bunch of you know, six-sided shapes, and then you keep adding those to each other until you make a three-dimensional object. Gotcha. Yeah, it, I'll have to show you... Is
1: it a, is it a dice? Is it a die?
0: I, yeah, I want to say it is. What, what is that? I want to say that's... Is that a D10, I want to say? I think it's a D10. Sure. Yeah. It's a 10-sided. But then we have the icosahedron,
1: Icosahedron. Icosahedron.
0: I know. I love that. It's a
1: good good name.
0: Yeah, it is. This shape, when made with the same size triangles as the octahedron and the tetrahedron, Mm -hmm. is the largest of the three. So if you use the same size shapes to create all of these, you get a bigger icosahedron than an octa or a tetrahedron. Okay. (laughs) Which Plato said, this makes it the densest or least penetrating of all the fluid elements. So the octahedron being the element air and the tetrahedron being fire. So air, water, fire are all fluid elements in the uh, platonic imagery. Mm-hmm. And so this being the least penetrating of the fluid elements. And the densest, since it comes out larger using the same, side, or the same sized shapes, he assigned it the element water. So this is the opposite of fire. Fire being small and piercing, water being heavy and non-piercing, and air being kind of in between the two. Gotcha. And what then does the, it look like? The icosahedron, uh, or uh, these are really hard to explain. I'm going to have to put an image up on the site. Yeah. Yeah. Um, the dodecahedron is the element ether. Now, this one was not officially assigned by Plato. The Plato's Timaeus says... Quote, there remained a fifth construction which God used for embroidering the constellations of the whole heaven. I like that. Isn't that cool? Just
1: because I like embroidery. <laughs> so I can see God stitching. He's got his little frame, He's
0: got his needle, <laughs> right. just exactly. a stitching away. Just a stitching. Well so uh, that one has been given the element ether. And that's a little more modern interpretation, but since that we have this kind of like it's God's shape. God uses this shape in some way, that means that it's a spiritual, it has a spiritual nature to it.
1: Yeah, And wasn't it sort of concealed in terms of like this is people true. didn't didn't uh, talk about it or draw it or do anything with it because it's almost like God's name or something like. It's... Right.
0: Yes, it is the like the three-dimensional representation of God. Mm-hmm. And so uh, this shape is holy and to talk about it or to show it is to blaspheme it in a certain way. Gotcha. Yeah. I really enjoy the you know all of these steps so we go from the single numbers to create the flower of life and we have so much depth and so much you know range of things that happen from um birth to creativity to action to stability to the zodiac and mm-hmm. you know all of these really great deep things that are that help us frame us to our reality and our reality to our lives and it creates you know, a flower, pardon the pun, which, which we can use to kind of categorize our experience and to come up with something that means more than just life. Yeah. You know, and so from that, we then get the Tree of Life and then the Metatron's Cube. And then we get all of these shapes that are, you know, classical shapes that, have, that go back thousands of years, mm-hmm. literally. And they are used every day by whether it's RPG players with their dice Mm -hmm. Or it's scientists talking about the way the universe is built using these different shapes. Mm -hmm. You know, literally, the tiniest portions of our reality use these shapes as building blocks to make what we see.
1: Yeah. Yeah, like they're building blocks for atoms. It's building blocks for cell division. Right. It's, you know, before we had microscopes as a people, we understood these concepts, you know? Yeah,
0: exactly. Exactly. And so... I think that there's a lot of knowledge here, and I'm glad that we've gone through this. I'm sorry that this was been kind of a, a difficult process to visualize. Hopefully, you followed along on the site and looked at our Pinterest board.
1: Yeah, it's very conceptual. It know, is, as as a lot of things are. But right. This one in particular.
0: Exactly. And so, but that's that about wraps it up for the Flower of Life and Metatron's Cube. Uh, make sure you check out the site limitlessodyssey dot com. If you have some comments about this episode, send us an email, limitless at gmail dot com. Follow us on Twitter at Odyssey Podcast. We're on Instagram, Limitless Odyssey. Tell your friends. We are now in the iTunes store now, guys. Woohoo. Woo, yeah. And so rate us on there. Make sure you subscribe. Share us with your friends. Your family. <laughs> Everybody your, <enemies. laughs> your Frenemies. Your frenemies. Your nemesis. <laughs> That's such a good song. Yeah. Jonathan Colton, if you listen to this, we love your music. But uh, (laughs) so uh, anyway, guys, thanks for tuning in and checking us out. Make sure you subscribe and uh, we'll see you next time. Yeah.